This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Hey guys, I'm Ryan and I'm going to be talking today about a fun little guy called Mycelium, which is the root structure of fungi, which actually makes up the body of fungi and then mushrooms actually sprout out of it as fruiting bodies which produce the spores and yeah. Okay, so we're going to be talking about how mycelium in this day and age is actually being used in many different ways to help with the environment and to reduce the uses of plastic and other things that are harmful to the environment. So we're going to be talking about how it's being used in stuff like packaging, building, non-leather products and that's going to be really cool. Okay, so up until now, if you wanted leather that wasn't made from animals, you would probably have had to have to settle for actually a plastic pleather, <laughs> which comes with a different set of environmental problems. But a number of big brands, including Stella McCartney, Adidas, Lululemon, Hermes, and in partnership with biotechnology startups, Bolt Threads, and Microworks, you'll actually be able to buy more products with leather that has been made from mycelium, which is able to decompose a lot easier. And it's going to be easily grown from recycled waste and it is a lot less harmful to the environment. So mycelium is actually already on the market in the form of styrofoam-like packaging, unleather handbags. So where the mycelium is used as a leather alternative, it's being used as flooring and also soundproofing acoustic panels. It's also been experimentally used to build larger structures such as benches, coffins, composting toilets and even actually buildings, which is quite cool. So... Manufacturers are now aiming to scale up the products and applications made from mycelium, which they thought as a more sustainable substitute for petroleum-derived plastics such as styrofoam and vinyl, um, leather made with harsh chemicals from water-guzzling methane-belching cows, and other bio-based materials such as cardboard and wood. In the future, they say that mycelium could be used to make advanced materials such as transparent paper or construct buildings that could be triggered to automatically biodegrade at the end of the useful life okay so those who use mycelium thought its low environmental footprint is at its biggest it's its biggest advantage pretty much one company which is known as bolt threads says it's mycelium based leather milo emits fewer greenhouse gases and uses less water and resources than animal leather Alexander Bismarck, professor of materials chemistry, and Mitchell Jones, a postdoctoral researcher at the Technical University of Vienna, um, have studied the sustainability of fungi-derived leather substitutes. So they have actually noted that in nature, fungi help soils capture and store carbon through their symbiotic relationship with plants, making their growth effectively carbon neutral. When growing to make mycelium-based materials, they can upcycle waste such as food and agricultural residues without the heating that's usually required for manufacturing processes. That's actually in contrast to raising cattle, which is known to consume and pollute water. They use lots of land and generate greenhouse gases that contribute to climate change at a higher rate than most other domestic animals. Also with leather, lots of potentially harmful chemicals and energy is also used to tan the hides, which would be used for any leather products. So Bismarck said compared to such animal-based materials as well as plastics, mycelium-based products provide a significant reduction in CO2 or greenhouse gases. Mycelium has also been suggested as a replacement for other bio-based materials such as cardboard, wood or bioplastics. 
So Jones said even some of those have negative environmental impacts, such as the need to cut down trees or limited biodegradability. So Jones state, the fungi has such a great advantage because mycelium doesn't have the downside of having limited biodegradability, and also it doesn't require any cutting down of trees. So over the past decade or so, biotechnology companies have launched a small number of mycelium-based products such as packaging, which is designed to replace styrofoam, um, coffins, which have been made by a Dutch startup Loop, that are not only biodegradable but also help biodegrade the bodies laid to rest inside, which is actually very cool. Flooring and acoustic tiles are also another thing that mycelium is currently being used for, which is sold by some Italian interior designers. It's also being used to replace leather that's being used in sneakers, sandals, wallets, luggage tags and watch straps by a brand Brodo. Okay, so next thing we're going to cover is actually how is mycelium produced and turned into these new materials and products. So the first step is obviously to actually grow the mycelium. So that can be done either in nutritious liquid or on a bed of solid materials. So either of these methods can include waste products ranging from blackstrap molasses to sawdust from furniture production. So what's actually suitable depends on the fungal species that is being used to make the mycelium as they can be found in different habitats in the wild. So for example, oyster mushrooms grow on hardwood trees but not conifers. Some of the materials used commercially include cotton fibres or hemp herd in a cause of the stems. The fungi also need water and nutrients and they're generally kept in quite humid temperature controlled environments to prevent them from producing mushrooms which is a completely different material that can also generate potentially irritating spores. So fruiting typically happens when the fungi thinks it's actually autumn, so that has to be prevented to actually keep the mycelium and not produce other byproducts that are not wanted. So fungi are very fast growing, it takes us a week to grow mycelium for mushroom packaging and two weeks for milo, which is the alternative leather. They're also often grown with high levels of CO2 to encourage them to grow outward in search of oxygen. Once ready, the mycelium is usually dehydrated and processed with machines and chemicals to improve the density, strength, elasticity and texture. All that means mycelium-based materials generally aren't actually pure mycelium, but a composite. So they contain the material that was grown on along with anything added during processing. However, these chemicals that are added in a very much lower quantities compared to the chemicals that'll be used to make stuff like they'll be used in tanning of leather. So it is a lot better for the environment. For most commercial products, except for the coffins, mycelium is heat treated long before it reaches the customer in order to kill it and maintain the product's intended form and eliminate the risk that it could form mushrooms and allergens such as spores. That said, some designers such as Damon and his wife Amber Fredjimenez, Canada Chair in Design and Technology at the Emily Carr University of Art and Design, have experimented with living fungi. As architects and designers, we were really interested in the idea of a material that might aggregate and continue to grow once it was in the shape or form of whatever it was we were designing to, said Damon. They once built a wall at the Museum of Vancouver that consisted of individual mycelium bricks that were left alive and eventually fused together, and which they later stated that, so you can, could imagine a kind of building technology that can kind of evolve and continue to grow, you know, sort of magical in a way, he said. 
In 2016, they actually managed to create some benches made from mycelium that included a space in the middle for mushrooms to fruit, which they left out for a couple of months, and so they remained in use, and they were quite popular. Generally, in normal indoor or outdoor conditions, mycelium bricks tend to dry out and become inert, but he said that that doesn't mean they actually can't reawaken later. So that means it might be possible to engineer a building made with inert mycelium-based materials that can be triggered to decompose or self-demolish at the end of the building's useful life. So they also stated in the right conditions they might reawaken and start digesting materials and finish the building. So another very important question is what else could mycelium be used for in the future? So both Damon and Bishmark say it has a lot of potential as a building material to replace foam insulation, for example. Its insulating abilities have prompted Damon to use mycelium to create a biodegradable composting toilet for refugee camps that traps heat to speed up the decomposition by heat-loving bacteria. And after it use, it can actually just simply be buried, and because of mycelium, it degrades at a very fast rate. Bishmark and Jones have been experimenting with ways to make more advanced materials from mycelium, for example, they have found that by growing it in a mineral-rich environment, they can create mineralized, fire-resistant insulation panels. While most current mycelium products are composites that include agricultural or wood fibers, the research is also trying to create nanomaterials with pure fungi selected for the extra-fine fibers. So these can actually be processed in a blender with some chemicals into interesting materials such as transparent paper-like sheets. So the mycelium paper could be made 10 times stronger than regular paper, or it could be designed to filter viruses or heavy metals from water. One of the applications they're testing right now is mycelium-based wound dressing, which can help reduce bleeding, keep bacteria out, and accelerate healing. It's simply remarkable what the fungus can do, which Bishmark stated, adding that there are estimated 5.1 million types of fungi out there, many with untapped potential. It's still a vast space of biology that can do something for you. And that's a very cool idea that mycelium can be used in many different ways, even though it is just a fungi, but it's also present in many types of different fungi, which have all their own special properties and special conditions that they thrive in, which can produce many different structures and conditions. And so... That pretty much wraps up my podcast, so thanks for listening, and I hope you learned something today. Thank you. The podcast you've just heard was researched, recorded, and edited by students attending the Otago University Advanced School Sciences Academy in 2022 with support from ORFM Dunedin. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.